0: WHQR Public Media in Wilmington, North Carolina, this is Coastline. I'm Rachel Lewis-Hilburn. What does it take to make a life as an actor and singer, raise a child, maintain a home, and stay married to another person in the film industry? Nina Rapetta could teach a master class on that topic. She landed her first film role in The Handmaid's Tale, starring Faye Dunaway. That film was released in 1990, and since then, she's racked up film credits such as Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood, Blood Moon, Southern Gothic, The Remaining, and Radioland Murders. She's also appeared in the TV series Matlock, in which she died several times. Good Behavior and Palmetto Point, but she is forever recognizable as Bessie Potter, the older sister of Katie Holmes' character on the iconic TV show Dawson's Creek, which continues to find new generations of fans. Wilmington residents also know her from her theatrical appearances singing in live productions including WHQR's Great American Songbook at Keenan Auditorium and in 2016 she starred in the Terrence McNally satire It's Only a Play opposite the late Tony Rivenbark. She was also Wilmington's own Azalea Festival Queen in the year 2000. And she joins me now. Nina (laughs) Repetto. welcome to Coastline. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you with us. It's good to be here. The North Carolina Filmmaker Series is hosting a free screening of Radioland Murders on Sunday, August 14th at 4 p.m. at the Point 14 in Wilmington. Nina Repetto will answer questions from the audience after the film. So many fans recognize you from Dawson's Creek you played as I said Katie Holmes' big sister Bessie and the the way you landed that role is a pretty incredible story
1: it's how, very incredible it's, how did
0: that happen you were not in Wilmington at the time Oh
1: no 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 um so my husband Mike was in the he's a camera operator now but he was a camera assistant then and he had an opportunity to work on the Universal lot in Hollywood. And so we went. And prior to that, I had been on several Matlocks and the late Leo Penn, Sean Penn's father, had cast me in several. And he said, you know, Niner, you're in the geographic wrong location to be anything more than a day player. When you come to Los Angeles, give me a call. So I did. And he hooked me up with an agency that said they would hip pocket me, which means... And what does that mean? When you're hip pocketed by a, a bigger agent, they're allowing you to submit yourself with their agency name, but you're not signed by that agency. They they Submit sign.
0: yourself for projects. Like if you find out there's a TV role that you think you might be right for, you can send your stuff to the casting director. That's right.
1: And so just to shorten up the story, basically Mike and I had both been at East Carolina University with Kevin Williamson, who is the creator of Dawson's Creek. And so my headshot ended up on the desk in Los Angeles for a pilot called Dawson's Creek. But at the same time, Mike's show on Universal was canned. So I started going on auditioning it auditions every week and mike was surfing and we ran out of money and we decided to take the red eye back to wilmington and lo and behold i ended up getting the role and they were very apologetic because it shot in wilmington north carolina so <laughs> the I, the thing that we say at our house is it's like the grand puppeteer the mighty hand of god let us go to hollywood and in less than six months i booked the show that shoots in my own backyard we could take the boat to work where the Potter B was so that's really like the uncanniness of life and art and love and joy all culminated into that, and truly like the fin cannons, um local casting mm, directors who that's right.
0: do so much up and down the
1: East Coast. Yeah, so that's that's kind of how it happened. Luck, luck is where preparation meets opportunity, and that's how we went to Hollywood and landed a role that brought me back to. Our hometown. So
0: you and Mike, you were coming back to Wilmington because you'd run out of money. Were you back in Wilmington when you got the call that you had to? Sh- I'm so sorry. Shoot something so in Wilmington. Sorry.
1: Yes, I'm so sorry. It shoots in Wilmington, North Carolina, and um, and just so amazing too the the circle of of people because I never I never saw Kevin Williamson while I was in Los Angeles. It was just it just ended up being one of these events in life that I can't say you know i did exactly this and that's exactly how it happened it truly was uh, luck and cosmic luck i don't know god really you know who goes to la as a young actress and gets to come back home and work and then the show was such a huge success when you shoot a pilot for a television show you don't know that it's going to be a great success a lot of times there are shows that that we work on that we think are going to be so great and then they never find their place so You never know. So when you
0: got this job, it could have ended after the pilot? pilot.
1: Mm -hmm. It could have ended after the pilot. And it it went on
0: for five years. Six. Six years. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it is still getting fans, even though it's off network TV. So you have this scene that has become kind of its own iconic scene in Dawson's Creek when you're putting lipstick on your younger sister. For those who haven't seen Dawson's Creek at all, just kind of explain the relationship between you and Katie Holmes' character, Joey.
1: So I end up being the guardian because the mother passes away, and the father is a bit of a bad boy, and he's in prison. So I was like the black sheep, older sister, but I come home to take care of my younger sister who is going to high school and so there's a scene on the back porch and um on her way to school i grab her face and put lipstick on her lips and one of the clever things too is uh we we ran out of hands it's like how do you hold someone's face and then take the lid of the lipstick off to put the lipstick on so i take the lipstick off with my mouth the lid
0: all right, let's listen to this and, and see what we can hear. Whoa,
1: hold on a Your has gotta go. So, this is where you're squeezing her no, face. Blot them right? like this. You blot them together. So, I put lipstick on her lips. Every half hour her the lipstick. You use yourself to get a touch up
0: She has a little color on her lips, and she takes off running. and she, And so that's kind of older Sis saying, here, I'm initiating you into the club of you're you're starting to become a woman. So right. it was really an iconic moment for that character
1: as well it was it was a sweet moment. And it was really when Katie and I first met each other, and, um, that show was so phenomenal and such a pioneer in so many areas M- musically. What they did with uh, music and each episode was like a tiny little movie. Each episode we went on location or we went to the sets, and so it was a it was a phenomenal event. And I think especially that first season we were. Um, Creating this thing that we felt like no one else had created, and Kevin Williamson is such a pioneer on so many levels, and I was so blessed to be part of that. And we we also we meet you
0: as the pregnant older sister. You're you're very pregnant, and talking about season one early on, Joey Katie Holmes come, comes running up from the dock where she's met by your baby daddy, who is cooking something. <laughs>
1: My baby daddy. We
0: don't know if it's soup. We don't know if it's stew. We don't know if it's chowder. It's Massachusetts. So who knows? Well, the other thing, too,
1: if you roll back the clocks of time, the fact that the baby daddy was African-American and I'm Caucasian was a bit of a thing. It's not so much of a thing anymore, but it was a bit of a thing then. And the fact that the mother had passed away, the father was in prison, the character Joey Joey had a lot. On her shoulders, trying yeah. to hold it together to to be, you know, the younger sister of such a whatever. Yeah. Well, let's
0: listen to this scene. This is the
1: victim I'm looking for. No, Bodie. Not again. That's I'm Katie being
0: Holmes. on this one. Just a taste.
1: Orgasmic.
0: Um, oh, she's a kid. My
1: <laughs> fine. They're fairly useless to me at this point, but that means you put them back where you found them. Got it. Got it. I'm way too pregnant to be digging underneath your bed. So stay out of my room. Got it. I'm gonna knock her silly. I swear it. Here, try this. Mmm. Orgasm. Ah.
0: <laughs> and so now we know where little sis gets it—that expression,
1: orgasmic.
0: So you, you still get recognized in the 21st century, well into the 21st century, as as Bessie Potter.
1: Oh man, it was so long ago too. And it's—I never get recognized when I'm ready to be recognized. You always get recognized when you weren't expecting it, like at Costco. Just the other day. You
0: recently broke your toe, so you're in... You don't have to tell
1: everybody that, Rachel. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to paint the picture. It's theater of the mind. Okay, so we'll paint the true picture. The true picture is I broke my big toe, and I'm in this really weird boot. (laughs) And so I planned my trip to the Costco close to closing so no one would see me because I had committed to riding one of the electric wheelchairs. Okay, so I'm like, I'm just going to zip in there and get a few things, and I did, and then at the checkout, lo and behold, the checkout girl what? she says, "I know you. You're, you're Bessie from Dawson's Creek. I love you." And I was like, "Well, thanks." Yeah. I was like, "Thanks." I yeah, I broke my toe, and she goes, "Oh, you were fantastic in Fried Green Tomatoes." <laughs> but and I just said thank you. But the truth is, I was never in Fried Green Tomatoes. <laughs> I just said, thank you, because that's the Southern thing to do. I I, I said, thank you, but... That's and then I had to rewatch Fried Green Tomatoes. I mean, did she think just I was Just make Jessica- sure that you weren't in it? Well, no, I just wanted to make sure she didn't think I was Jessica Tandy or, or like the older one because <laughs> I'm so much older than oh. I was when we filmed Dawson's Creek.
0: You're listening to Coastline. <laughs> Nina Rapetta, film and TV actor, singer, and Wilmington's own Azalea Queen is with us. When we come back, we'll hear about her time on the set of the film Radioland Murders. Stay with us. I'm Rachel Lewis-Hilburn for Coastline. You're listening to Coastline. I'm Rachel Lewis-Hilburn. Nina Rapetta is probably best known as Bessie Potter from Dawson's Creek, the older sister of Joey, played by Katie Holmes. But she's also acted in Matlock, Divine Secrets of the Ya Sisterhood, Blood Moon, the locally filmed The Black Phone, and Radioland Murders, among many other film and TV credits. The North Carolina Filmmaker Series is hosting a free screening of Radioland Murders on Sunday, August 14th at 4 p.m. at the Point 14 in Wilmington. Nina Rapetto will answer questions from the audience after the film. Now, Nina, sticking with Dawson's Creek for a moment, we meet you in season one as the very pregnant older sister of Joey. Was this... uh, part of your costume? Were you
1: pregnant at the time? I have a great yeah. story about this. So the great Alonzo Wilson, who also dressed me as the Azalea Queen, phenomenal costume designer, dear friend. I love him so much. Um, I was the first actress he got pregnant.
0: Wow. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't really get me
1: pregnant, but we had a long running joke with this whole he got me pregnant and the baby needs new shoes kind of joke but it's interesting (laughs) because when you see me I'm not all the way all the way pregnant so we had to have you know a six month belly a seven month belly Um, so it was really interesting because it had boobs too and um, we always made jokes about should we put this pregnancy outfit on and go bar hopping and see if anyone says anything to us? But even more interesting than that, I didn't know how to have a baby. I had never been pregnant. I, I didn't know how to do that. So the original script had me go into Lamaze class and doing like a Lamaze birth. So Alonzo allowed me to wear the fake pregnancy outfit. I met with a woman that taught birthing classes. I went... Everyone in the class felt sorry for me because my husband wasn't with me. So she was my partner so I could learn how to birth this baby. So the people in your Lamas class didn't know that you were They didn't were know I was an fi- actor. Didn't and- know I was an actor, didn't know it was a fake belly. And was this in Wilmington? This was in Wilmington in the late 90s where they felt sorry for
0: you cuz you didn't I have didn't a husband. Have- that's
1: right. That's right. I didn't have anybody there and um What's interesting is so I learned the entire how to do the Lama's birth, and then they did a rewrite. We want you to throw all that out. We just want you to act like you don't know anything about having a baby. So after I did all that, they rewrote that episode where I give birth, um, and they wanted me to not know any of that, which is uh, also a tidbit. But Alonzo Wilson was so pivotal in the the look of that show and just what. What, what talent. What great talent. And he um, he did Treme, and he had a showing at Cameron Arts Museum. And in the book, he talks about how I was the first actress he got pregnant. I don't <laughs> think he worded it like that. So probably but. not his language, yeah. But but it's a good
0: running joke. Yeah, how about that? And we actually have a scene from Dawson's Creek when you are in the restaurant and you, you take a load off. You're very pregnant at this point. So let's listen.
1: It feels like this baby is tangled in my rib cage. That's huge. Why don't you just go
0: home? Never tell a pregnant woman she's fat.
1: Sorry, you're not fat, Bessie. You're just monumentally gargantuan.
0: Your sister reminds me of a, a beached whale.
1: Oh. You're joking, right? That was a joke. What has gotten into Joey? I don't know, it's bizarre You were late Look, I'm in charge until you're 18 Our dad gets parole, whatever comes first And we have to help each other out, Joey It's just the way it has to be I'm sorry, you ruined my good mood I was just trying to have a moment of happiness In an otherwise pathetic existence You can be late, can't you? Uh, I'm gonna get a takeout The is up
0: You know, Anderson, the uh, the food's good here, but the service is a little iffy. You think your parents might free up tonight?
1: I don't know. Big family Scrabble turning it tonight. Hey, Joey. I might be able to sneak away later.
0: Okay. Well, you know where I'll be.
1: Planet Earth to Joey. I'll come by after the game.
0: Hey, you know, charade is a good seven-letter word you can use in that Scrabble game and in in that scene Joey's pretending that she doesn't work there because she wants to impress the new guy that she's met and you're trying to get her to step st- it up right get back <laughs> get back to work but they i don't know that this would get said today but this very pregnant woman gets called she a gets whale. likened to a beach whale right it's sort of amazing did you as you were wearing the increasingly larger pregnancy costume did you feel it? What was that like as an oh, actor funny. not having been pregnant before?
1: What's interesting is that, you know the pregnant sway, you know how pregnant women they go to the right and the left and the right and the left. So I had the fake pregnant suit on when I auditioned for Yaya Sisterhood, and I think that they cast me in that part because it was fake and you could punch it. Like you I mean, I know that's inappropriate too, but having uh, costumes are powerful. They're not just powerful for actors. They're really really powerful and you know that you're in the hands of a great costume designer when you put the outfit on and you have that whole feel to it. Um, so the pregnant outfit was so much fun. It was so much fun because it was fake. You could take it off and then you were no longer the whale. So and that's not how it works in real life. You don't get to just have the baby and then instantly be thin again. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, some people, depending on <laughs> genetics, <laughs> right, and who they can hire. But you, and we're going to get to Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood, which stars Ashley Judd and Sandra Bullock and Ellen Burstyn. I mean, such a great cast. But let's talk a little bit about how you grew up because you have this kind of very glamorous actor, singer, professional life. I don't Um, know
1: that I would call it glamorous (laughs) at all.
0: (laughs) You came from a small mountain town called Shelby, North Carolina. So how did you get from Shelby to Wilmington? And I guess I should ask you first, did you know when you lived in Shelby that you wanted to be a performer?
1: I don't ever remember doing anything else. My whole life, and I think you could ask my brothers, my whole life, I've been singing and dancing, and um, we were very blessed in Shelby, even though it was a very small town, there was a fabulous theater, um, Malcolm Brown Auditorium, it was a professional theater, and it had a whole fly system, and the community theater there was really strong. So it was the thing to do, and I had a great um, foundation in live theater, but growing up in in my family, one of the stories that was told to me is that we went to Florida, I think I was three, and we went to a planetarium, and when they darkened the room, I started singing my rendition of this little light of mine, (laughs) I'm going to let it shine. And it was so good. People started clapping and they turned the lights back on. And I said, why are you turning the lights on? Let's, you know, so you were singing I'll because be singing. it was dark, it was dark, this little light of mine, you know, and um, and the, but the other thing that's really funny is in the in the house where I grew up in the main living room, there was the television, but there was a sliding glass door. And at night, if you opened the curtain, it had a very strong reflection. So it became a mirror. And my family always watched Hee Haw and then Lawrence Welk. So I would open the curtains and I would dance and sing like the performers on Lawrence Welk. And my family tells me that they were never really watching the show. They were just watching me. (laughs) (laughs) I was in the zone.
0: (laughs) I guess so. And so you had this great theater in in Shelby. So you you learned to... Act in musicals and plays, and then you went to East Carolina University,
1: where you majored in theater arts. That's correct. They had a Meisner acting program there, and they only accepted twelve people. And I got into the Meisner program there, and um, that's where I met Mike, my college, my college sweetheart. Is still my husband today after all these years. Congratulations! Thank that's you. an accomplishment. It is. I think someone should, you know give us an award or something i don't know (laughs) what it would be (laughs) but um yeah and east carolina was a fabulous um place i mean kevin williamson sandra bullock they were ahead of me a few grades and um but that was also such a great um learning ground the professionalism and the things we learned and I think it's it's the age but I also think that there is um there's like a sense of freedom and a sense of invincibility which is typically a dangerous combination for someone in their teens and early 20s but it worked out well for me I think um as far as like the freedom to create and um and having the playground to do it was incredible. So you, you had it kind of affirmed for you that I
0: mean, it wasn't a minor in theater arts, it was a major. Like that was a legitimate major. In many other families, parents might say, Well, you know, that's lovely and
1: lots of fun, but don't you have a plan B?
0: Well, how's that gonna earn you money? I
1: know. Isn't that fun so and and my brothers always told me, you don't you don't really need to be a private eye or you don't really need to be, you know something fabulous like that you can just portray one on TV you know you could like just shoot fake guns or drive you know fake fast cars or whatever whatever it, it was but um i don't i don't think i ever the only other thing i really wanted to be was an optometrist i wanted to be an eye doctor and in i think i was in the 8th grade and my dad took me to the local optometrist and i shadowed this man because i'm I'm born in a time and place where it wasn't common for women to be doctors, you know. And I'm in this small town where it wasn't like that; just was not an option, which is really bizarre. I have consider myself a strong woman, but um, anyway, I thought I thought about being an optometrist, and I still think about it. And now, what I think about is if I could go back to school yeah. to become an optometrist. The thing that would be great is if I joined a firm. And I put on the white coat. We're coming back to the costume. If I had the white coat on, they would think I would know the most about being an eye doctor because I would be the senior doctor just by age. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, you it's never too late, right? It's never too late. <laughs> My in-laws are all optometrists, so we'll oh, talk after well, maybe this. Maybe I could shadow them. Maybe I could just wear
1: the coat and walk around. <laughs> You're listening
0: to Coastline. <laughs> Nina Rapetta is a TV and film actor, singer, and former Wilmington Azalea Festival queen. Her credits include Divine Secrets of the Yahya, Sisterhood, Blood Moon, *Radio Land Murders, and Matlock. She's probably most recognizable as Bessie Potter, Joey's older sister, played by Katie Holmes, on the TV series Dawson's T- Creek. Now, let's talk about divine secrets of the yaya sisterhood you have a scene with ashley judd can you
1: kind of set this up for us what is happening here in That's this so scene? funny so um this was one of those things as an actress at the audition with kelly curry i i did the read and she says how did you how did you think how did you think that went and i was like i think it was pretty bad <laughs> Like I really think it sucks. Really, I thought it was really bad. And she goes, "Yeah, let's try it again." But I had on the fake pregnant suit because Dalton's Creek was on the studio lot that day, and the callback was at the studio lot. And so, so, so you I didn't have, t- time, to I didn't have time to take it off. Didn't have time to take it off. Was like, your character? This thing is fake. This thing is fake. Oh okay. no, no, no. My character on Yaya ya is uh, not pregnant, but. Um, so that's how the audition went. So I went out of there as an actress. Like most auditions, when you when you leave an audition and you think, "Man, I I killed it. I did great." Those are the ones you never ever book. You never book those auditions. It's usually the ones you leave licking your wounds and going, "Why? Why did I do this? Why did I do that?" So I thought there was never a chance in the world she would cast me in that part. But the part was really fun because the the scene. She's a woman, and, and again, here we go with the wardrobe. She's got all these cool sunglasses. It's a period piece. The makeup, the hair, the bag, the car it was a period car. And in the scene, she pulls up, and Ashley is she's needing some money for gas. And uh, Ashley Judd's character. Ashley Judd's character. And you've got you're, yes. you've got kind of this bouffant thing, oh, thing going on. thing going on. I yeah. have the. And they painted the nails. Everything, all the details that go into filmmaking that. I think the normal person doesn't realize that, even in that scene, though you never see my hands, the nails were painted, period, the jewelry was, period, the the little purse, the gloves, the, the wispy bouffant thing, the car, every little thing was authentically that time, period. But the line is fantastic. You should play the clip. Let's, let's play the clip. I need some cash, love.
0: Charge $15 to Shep's account, Okay. Actually, make it 20. Oh,
1: I'm sorry, I can't do that. Why in the world not? You've done it 84,000 times before. Yeah, Shep come in here not two days ago and told me I could give you all the gas and service you want, but no more cash I'm on count county all the times before. Well, it's not what you think. Now, come on, just be a sweetheart, and it'll stay between us. He said just gas, no cash. He pays his bills. It's okay, Mama, never mind. Let's just give up and go on home. Walker. Don't you ever let me ever hear you utter those words again. Do you understand? Come on, get out of the car. <laughs> Darling, I have a little proposition for you. How much gas are you planning on buying this afternoon? I'm filling up. Why don't you let me put it on my husband's charge account and you pay me cash? What do you say? Okay, I see what you're saying. Have a wonderful day. Lyle, you've been outsmarted once again. <laughs> oh, no, they didn't say it's a, I'm married to a tight-fisted son of a bitch myself. Oh, that's, what, that's, that's what part saying. of it. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah, And that's probably the best line. Yeah,
1: I'm married to a tight-fisted <laughs> son of a bitch myself. Okay, well, just for
0: fun, just say oh, it the way you that. would. No, you can't. We've already said it. Okay. And I think uh, when we were once talking about a book written by Celia Rivenbark, we said Bitch on the Air many times. Okay. Um, but they're probably flagging it there in Studio 4 anyway. So tell us about the pronunciation of your name, Nina. So many people will automatically say Nina. What's that like for you? Did
1: you ever just... I just tell them it's 789 a. <laughs> 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 so perfect for, for a
0: singer. Now, Radioland Murders, uh, that is the focus of one of the screenings for the North Carolina Filmmaker Series. This is an interesting role for you because you were one of the Miller sisters. Can you kind of explain in Radio Land Murders who the Miller sisters were?
1: The Miller sisters were a trio of singing and dancing uh, performers, a la the Andrews sisters, but not really. So we all had matching platinum blonde hair, and the late Peggy Farrell handmade all of our costumes. So we really did look like sisters just by the hair and the dress. We looked like triplets. but. We were all very different, and um, we had to learn the choreography for the songs, and um, the, Mil- the Miller sisters came throughout the movie. That was another period film, and we, you know, in, in essence, one of our favorite parts was the commercials. You know, back then, before the dawn of television, there were commercials, and they would come out and sing, like, for, um, you know, the, the pancakes, you know, Peter Power Jack, Peter Power Jack, Power Pack and flapjack steaming in a stack. Peter Power Jacks are round and flat and build big muscles. How about that? Around and flat and crisp and sweet. A power back jack flapjack, maybe whatever. Peter <laughs> back. Anyway, so we had, we got a, we had a lot of fun doing all these little commercials. And and again, in filmmaking, you do all of this great work, and it has to be cut down um, to fit the film. They can't use everything that they film. But that, that was a fun part, and all the choreography was done by Jad and Brad and Jenny Morantz, and um, the sets, everything was so spectacular. In
0: all of these roles that we've talked about, you've also talked about what you looked like, and you've talked about costumes and a little bit about makeup. And it's, it's so interesting, because that's always a part of it for uh, male characters, too but not quite as much. And when we come back from this break, I just want to ask you about what it's like to be in the makeup chair. And if there are ever times you look and go, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. And you have to let go anyway. (laughs) You're listening to Coastline. My guest today is a TV and film actor and singer, Nina Rapetta. After this short break, we'll also find out why she makes sure she stays connected to the joy of life and what she does when she feels like she's losing it. Stay with us. I'm Rachel Lewis-Hilburn for Coastline. You're listening to Coastline. I'm Rachel Lewis-Hilburn. Nina Rapetta grew up in the small North Carolina mountain town of Shelby, went to East Carolina University, where she majored in theater arts and minored in dance and anthropology. And also where she met her husband. She started her professional acting career in 1989, and is probably best known as Bessie Potter, Joey's older sister on Dawson's Creek, which shot in Wilmington, North Carolina, for six years. Her credits also include Divine Secrets of the Ya Ya Sisterhood, Blood Moon, Radio Land Murders, and the TV series Matlock. The North Carolina Filmmaker Series is hosting a free screening of *Radio Land Murders* on Sunday, August fourteenth at four p.m. at the Point fourteen in Wilmington. Nina Repetta will answer questions from the audience after the film. And Nina, just before we went to break, we were talking about being a woman in the makeup chair and how how different that is. Many uh, traditional male characters, if they're not being transformed into into a person that they really don't look like in normal <laughs> life. Don't really go through this, but but as a woman, you present a certain way, and when somebody else is doing your
1: makeup, it can be. <laughs> oh man! So um, Kelly Kelly Gore Jefferson will be with me um, on Sunday when we have the showing of Raylan murders. When I walk into the trailer i get the call sheet and i see that it's kelly i'm like thank you lord
0: <laughs> kelly jefferson was the makeup artist on radioland Murderist. that's
1: correct but that was a, an extreme change because for the for the period for the makeup they plucked our eyebrows down they platinum bleached platinum blonde the eyebrows to match the platinum blonde wig it was a huge change But then there are other times where when you're doing a period movie and the eyebrows or the lashes or the lips are not what you are accustomed to wearing, it is very hard as an actress to not go and mess with that. You have to fully trust that those makeup artists have been at the production meetings. The director and the production and the team has has a flow and an idea and a palette for this work of art. And you're just a piece. So a lot of times, well, like with Yaya, I, I'll take a towel and cover up the mirror so I'm not tempted to go and mess with their work. That's very difficult to do. And, um, and why is that? Like what's the
0: feeling when you look in the mirror and you see something that you're not expecting or that like wh- how does that make you feel?
1: Well, it's funny because my husband Mike says I make a mirror face. He says that I make this face when I look in the mirror. Everybody does it. Rachel, you have a mirror face. I'm sure I do. Jonathan, you have a mirror face. Everybody has a mirror face. It's it's the face that you make when you look in the mirror and mine goes like this. <laughs>
0: And what, so, what just, are we doing? You're, so
1: I don't know what we're doing. We do this thing when you look in the mirror. And what's funny is that you see yourself in a mirror, unlike you Because I don't really think are. you
0: just did fish lips. I don't I think that's no, what no, it no. was. It's not fish lips. What it, was it? It's more
1: of a like, you know, you kind of suck in the sides. I don't know. My husband can recreate it. And we laugh about that because he also has a mirror face. The thing about the makeup and filmmaking, if it is a period piece, a lot of times, the liner or the or your brows, which frame the face, are not what you're accustomed to seeing. And so, when you look at it, you either are going to love it or hate it or somewhere in between. And if you if you go messing with it as an actor, and you get to the set, the makeup artist sees it right away. And a lot of times, it's not going to fit the flow of the whole piece. But for for I think I've been really really lucky. Um, the hair and makeup on Radio Land. I think we're going to get to that. Are we going to talk about? Yeah. Michelle Johnson. Yes. Well, the person you met, you met her in the trunk of a car? I met her in the trunk of my car going to a very secret music festival. What were you doing in the trunk of your car and who was driving? (laughs) Well, well, the um, chef was driving from the band, the amateurs. He was driving the car. And um, it was a reggae band I sat in with a little bit here and there. And we were going to a music festival. I'm not going to reveal the name, but those that are listening probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, it's a, is this a had super be, secret thing? It's a super secret thing with super groovy people. And Michelle was dating the keyboard player. And you can't just go to this music festival. You have to be invited by someone that's been three years in a row. It's just a top secret thing. And I had a rather large car, a 1976 Chevrolet Caprice and uh, Caprice Classic and, or was it an Impala? Either way, the trunk was really huge and I meet this girl in the trunk of my car, head to toe, toe to head, I'm Michelle and I'm like, I'm Nina and we go to the music festival and I think I'm never going to see her again but it was a cosmic beautiful event and then when I booked that first role in The Handmaid's Tale the original one with Faye with Dunaway, Faye Dunaway she was my hairdresser
0: on wow. that film.
1: So, so she said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm just, I'm about to graduate college. I don't know what I'm doing." And she had just purchased one of the historic homes downtown on Orange Street. She said, "Come and live with me." And I said, "Okay," and 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 I did. And the thing about Michelle and people like Alonzo Wilson, and there are people in my life that make me feel like an artist that bring out this art in me and she's most assuredly one of them and and she's really the the reason I ever came to Wilmington
0: can you describe what that is what is it about those people that you feel kind of sparks your
1: creativity or makes you feel Um, like could I do an interpretive dance instead
0: sure (laughs) and I'll describe it as you're
1: doing it (laughs) so So much is visual here so um I think it's a freedom. I think it's a it's a um, an ability to um, be completely free without worry of mistakes, so that creatively speaking, you can go to depths and heights that you never imagined. It's a, it's an ability where someone allows you to be completely uninhibited, and it's totally okay. Um, and even fun and adventurous. That would be how I would describe.
0: So it's really making space for you. And I thought it was interesting you said you're not worried about making mistakes. And you've said to me that so many of the really good things that have happened in your life, like meeting Michelle yes. in the trunk of your car yes. and then having a place to live in Wilmington. It's a
1: happy mistake.
0: And getting the part in Dawson's Creek happy when mistake. you would moved <laughs> back to Wilmington because you were out of money with Mike, your husband. You, and and that pops up. So many of these things were things that you probably couldn't have engineered.
1: Never. It's the mighty hand of God. It's it's the love vibe. It's the um, ability to be okay when things might not be okay as far as how the world sees things. And I think that, um, I think. Well, my oldest brother always says, uh, "You're living in a fairy tale land," and I kind of like it here. <laughs> I kind of like the fairy tale land that I'm living in. and and Mike's very cognitive logical. so together we 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 kind of level out, you know, with that. But I think that um, if I try too hard, it comes off as desperation. And I don't think anybody really wants to work with a desperate person. So, um, being free as an artist is really probably one of the greatest gifts any friend could give someone that ability it's okay there are no mistakes in art or are there or what is art you can go down that philosophical train too and I think just um, joy whatever makes you happy whatever brings you joy or whatever cultivates love and joy whether it's cooking or dancing or music Um, you know I wanted my son to play guitar and he he took a lot of lessons with Raj um, who Roger Davis who the locals, I'm sure they know him, and we have a jazz band together. And um, But Banks sat me down and said, I just want you to know I'm probably not going to be a guitar player.
0: <laughs> that took a lot of strength for your son Banks He's, to tell you that he, he wasn't going to be your guitar I player. I
1: know. I thought I was going to breed up a guitar player. But... Um, I don't even know where I was going with this whole thing. I guess the freedom to be able to say what it is that brings you joy and what doesn't and to be okay with that, you know, I wasn't, it, it did hurt me a little bit. But that's okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, Banks, she'll get over it. I I'll promise. Get over it's it, still honey. it's still early. Yeah. W- going back to Radio Land murders, I think it's so interesting that this role for you was the role of a singer because you are a singer. Yes, you're, you're a singer in life. You appeared in one of the live versions of WHQR's Great American Songbook. Two. Two live versions. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and I saw you in, at Keenan Auditorium, and and you were magnificent. But we have this. Uh, Radio Land Murders, this film produced by George Lucas, starring Mary Stuart Masterson, Jeffrey Tambor, Brian Ben Ben, Ned Beatty, Michael McKean, so many big names in that film. It was it's a star-studded cast. It was kind of a bomb. Uh, but the Why? music was great. Music was great. So let's listen to this.
1: <laughs> Cue the band. Cue the band. <laughs> The boiler lights down low, listening to the radio. Love is on the air tonight, and it's on a coast to coast hook up. Love is everywhere tonight, you better look your cozy yes, no gum. Each station throughout the nation will have was all coming through. So, you set
0: And this is—it's such a fun tune, and it was a fun era. Set in, I think, nineteen thirty-nine. A new radio station is coming on the air. This was when they were did everything live.
1: Everything live. Those commercials, the, um, the stories, the live, the live theater. Um, but it was before the dawn of television. So the whole movie is about. Radio Land murders because in Radio Land once the dawn of television happens then radio is dead and um I we all scratch our heads as to why did this movie not find its place on the
0: set you thought it was going to be brilliant I and think a huge hit
1: everyone thought it was going to be a huge hit and brilliant and uh, from from the wigs to the dresses to the makeup the sets were incredible the body of talent was yeah. incredible yeah. so and Roger, Roger
0: Ebert said, the, the movie just doesn't work. All action and no character, all situation and no comedy. The slapstick starts so soon and lasts so long. We don't have an opportunity to meet or care about the characters. And maybe a, that
1: is it. Yeah, he's probably right. But we still had fun.
0: It, I mean, there's so much. It's it's a beautiful film. Like, there's so much. The slapstick, um, the screwball comedy. It's it's You can see the artistry in it.
1: Right. But why didn't it work? I think that's right, because now I'm thinking about the Christopher Lloyd character. He does the sound foley. He does the, you know, the stepping of the seats and the slamming of the door. And and um, I forgot her name, but the actress who plays the organist in the film. There, there is so much, so much funny stuff. I guess it's, I guess he's right. They never gave it space. Maybe it needed space. You mentioned your son, Banks. He is
0: already well on the way. To having quite the film career, he—you just came back from the Cannes Film Festival, and you've—you've you've said that
1: you kind of feel like you're passing the acting torch to him in I a would, way. I, I, not in a way. I definitely believe that Banks is a better film actor than I'll ever be. He's so intuitive, and he's not—he's um, very humble and honest, and and just easy he his film Armageddon Time will be released November 11th in the United States and um, and he stars in it opposite Anthony Hopkins and Anne Hathaway and Jeremy Strong and um, being with him on the set for almost three months and being able to be his acting coach and his guardian brings me such great joy it's such great joy. And truly, that's really only going to last a few more years. He just turned 14. So, um, I mean, you always need your mother. But um, So you're
0: making plans, though, when he turns 18 and he's out of the nest.
1: Uh, yes. Well,
0: I mean, you are a creative, you, you know, you, you still, you have so much, it seems, in you in, creatively. And... I mean there's optometry school, <laughs>
1: <laughs> music, cooking school. Maybe I'll take a basket weaving. <laughs> no. I um I think you're absolutely right and I think that um with all the happy accidents it's it's totally going to get revealed when the time is right but Banks is quite busy right now and and he needs me. We don't have family in town and it's not something that i'm really willing to pass over to a stranger to go and be with banks on the set and mike continues to work a lot so i think i would like to do the job (laughs) i raise my hand as the one and we have a um we have an ever-evolving relationship with how um banks likes to operate the way he learns auditions we have one right now so he's doing his part and then i'll come in but It's 12 pages that he has to learn and then we will film it in the studio at the house and then I'll edit it and upload it. And it's a lot of work that a kid can't do by themselves. And I really enjoy it. And I think he does, too. And a lot of times it comes down to when you read um, the audition in front of you, do you even want to do it? And does it bring that joy? Is it something that you could, I mean, as an actor, it's one of the most phenomenal art forms because you're taking written word and you're standing it up. You're bringing it to life. It's it's taking the written word and bringing it into a, a tangible living thing. And I think that's a powerful tool as an artist. And I, I think Banks is quite good at it and we have a really good time with it. And um, and if we're not having fun with it, we don't do it. You
0: also are still, you You do music, and All you do time. what you call noodling. Noodling. At night.
1: At night. Tell us about your evening music. So um, maybe that's what I'm going to do is release that next album. So I sit at the piano, and I do spa music, noodles, Nina noodles, and we just play nighttime music. You say we, who else plays? Uh, well, we, well, it used to be that back when Banks was playing guitar, he would do guitar one night and then I would do the piano the next night. But since he's parked the guitar, it's Nina Noodles.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that is this edition of Coastline Nina Repetta. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Coastline's technical director is Ken Campbell. Jonathan Furnell engineered this episode. Coastline is a production of WHQR Public Media. You can find the episode at whqr.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Rachel Lewis-Hilburn for Coastline.